Welcome to the official business and lifestyle legends podcast. Real life stories, exciting interviews, and a lot of knowledge to change your life. And here is your host of today's episode, Ben Schneider. Today's episode is powered by jobmofi.com. Jobmofi.com is a job search platform where you can hire a remote worker from the overseas, from all over the world, and you can sell your services on the marketplace. So if you need a remote worker, a designer, a virtual assistant, a web designer, developer, or anything else, go on jobmofi.com, sign up for free, only verified users, no fakes, no scam. Check it out, 14 days free trial on jobmofi.com. Welcome guys to the Business and Lifestyle Legends podcast. My name is Ben Schneider and today I got another awesome guest for you. He's the co-founder of 10speed.io and is passionate about helping companies grow via SEO and content. He has been doing SEO for over 12 years, has consulted top SaaS companies and led the marketing and growth at Sprout Social from 100K to 100 million in revenue. He has worked as a technical and analytical um, startup marketer for more than 12 years and has experience helping company acquire more customers. These companies include Sprout Social, Hologram, Silo, and Help Scout. Please guys, welcome from Chicago, Nate Turner. Hey, Nate, how are you doing? Hey, Ben. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks for being here today. So, guys, today we are talking a lot about content and SEO marketing. So, Nate, you were um, in a leading position at Sprout Social, and Sprout Social is a very huge company uh, these days. And, uh, yeah, you were helping uh, or you were leading to help this uh, company grow. So what have you done there to grow the revenue from 100K to 100 million? How is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I joined in the basically beginning of 2011, uh, was like the 18th employee and, and the first marketer. So um, came in where there was some good momentum with, with the product. Uh, and it was pretty low price point self-serve. So we had uh, a decent amount happening there and really just kind of took it and, and started to scale different channels. So, uh, you know, paid search was um, a solid first channel to really be able to scale up and grow. But in the meantime, we were starting to build foundations for content and SEO. Um, and so over the years, really just kind of like tested a lot of channels, uh, found stuff that worked. And then when it did, we just figured out how far we could scale. Um, and then sort of naturally over the time, um, our, we moved up market, the product moved up market, price points increased. And so, um, our marketing tactics sort of evolved with, with that, as we were going after different audiences, we were, you know, beginning to, to test different, um, uh, channels and doing things like co-marketing webinars or other demand generation stuff. And then eventually as we started to build out into the enterprise, uh, starting to layer on things like account-based marketing and, and whatnot. So, um, definitely evolved to different stages of growth because obviously from 100k to 100 million is many different stages so um there's there's probably you know hours worth we could we could talk about just in that uh that trajectory alone um 
but definitely I would say one of the the biggest things that was sort of a, a mainstay through through all of that uh, and a huge driver of growth was was really the content and, and organic search. Um, and so that you know continued to just um, build and scale and we put more and more time into it and uh, you know even when I left it was definitely the you know the number one channel for for traffic leads, revenue, everything. Um, so that's that's probably the one the one big thing that stayed uh, um, a, a solid contributor through all of it. So you were gaining more traffic and with SEO and content marketing than with PPC. Oh yeah, yeah, significantly more. Yeah. Okay. Um, for the people out there who do not have an imagination about um, PPC spendings. Um, and you mentioned it's, it, it was different stages, but with which PPC um, budget were you starting? And in your case, with which PPC were you ending? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say early, early stage was probably like $25,000 um, $25, a month uh, in ad spend um, is, was probably kind of where we're at in the, in the very early days. Um, and then, um, I mean, it, it definitely scaled, but it was probably like, um, probably no more than like 300,000 a month, um, you know, almost nine years later. So it definitely scaled, but like, even in that times, the social space became so much more competitive that when we started it in 2011, it was really hard to stomach, uh, you know, $5 CPC on some of these terms. And, uh, you know, as of, you know, even just a couple years ago, it was, there were some of those terms that were well into like 60, $70 CPC. So um, you can understand how like even a budget that um, whatever increases 12X or whatever that might be, um, isn't necessarily producing that same level. Uh, or it's not scaling the, the outputs 12X necessarily because the the competitiveness just scaled so much in that time yeah uh understand and um uh, maybe you can share also your experience um i'm doing facebook marketing mm -hmm. um for a lot of stuff and people out there think if you if you scale something you have the same rate so let me explain this um if you make a sale for ten dollars um so then you just need to 10x the um, the budget and then you've got 10 sales which is um, in my experience not the case so maybe you 10x the budget and you get eight sales mm. because um, the budget is increasing and the the pages like Facebook or uh, or Google are spending more money so uh, it's not getting cheaper or staying the same level um, it's getting more expensive do you have experience the same uh, definitely and that's where like um the challenge of, of growing because you you know if you have like your core audience and i don't know just say they're like all part of this one facebook group and you're like yeah we can just target we know exactly who they are and we can we get this like really really high conversion rate well, ultimately that's only going to go so far and so as you have to kind of like loosen up your targeting or who you're going after or you know broader audiences you ultimately are going to to lose some of that um uh, conversion rate perhaps, or, you know, any of that, that just ultimately, as you keep scaling, you have to 
find ways to really segment stuff out and, and break it out to to be able to even uh, make it work. But definitely, yeah, the um, the scaling more and more and more uh, does sort of have a natural drive down that you don't necessarily hold that same conversion rate or, or anything. Uh, which channels did you prefer uh, prefer for um, Sprout Social? Uh, was it the common channels like Facebook, Instagram, Google, um, or uh, did you use some other channels um, to use PPC marketing? Um, no, I mean, Google was definitely um, the biggest. And then I would say sort of uh, equally distributed across like Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn ads. And uh, then we would do a little bit um, in terms of like um, some of the, the review sites have like CPC type stuff. Um, so we, we would do a little bit there, uh, but we're definitely getting into like long tail in terms of our budget at that point. Um, and cause like Google was definitely the biggest. And then we also did some stuff around, you know, like display retargeting, um, some stuff like that. Is that so? This is a personal question right now because you mentioned um, the review pages where people think, "Hey, uh, there is a list, and uh, these guys are reviewing those those websites." But um, the truth is, it's also just like a PPC channel. Um, uh, is it? Do you have experience or numbers? Is that worth to go on these websites? Because I have some offers from that websites for Shopify for our SaaS company. Um, and I'm thinking about, but it's uh, basically quite expensive mm. to to be there. Um, but maybe it could be worth. Uh, I'm not sure what is your experience about that. Yeah, um, I mean, it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty niche uh, what we were doing. I mean, so I, I don't uh, remember off the top of my head what the specific sites were. It wasn't like G2, um, but some of those other similar uh, sites that do. The, the reviews on on software companies um and they just had like the the cpc model but we were very very targeted because similarly like if we were really in like the social media management category we could get you know a cost per lead that was effective but as we started to go out into other categories uh, same thing we were just talking about like it goes uh out the window and so we were we were pretty limited there we would stay in that category take the cost effective leads but there wasn't scale um, so it was kind of whatever we could get from, from that category. Uh, we just kind of added that into the mix, but, um, but yeah, I would say, uh, if you can be pretty targeted, I think it can be worth it. because you're, you're putting yourself in front of people that are actively looking at options for the, you know, the product or, or service you have. Um, and then, but similarly, if you try to scale it significantly, it probably becomes much more expensive. Okay. And uh, how was it dealing with those uh, competitors? Because um, Sprout Social is in a, in a niche, which is very competitive these days. Um, uh, what, was there, I can imagine there was some of the problems you mentioned that the costs are rising extremely. Um, but for example, also, did you lose customers to competitors? How did you deal with that? Um, do you... Do you have any ways, for example, retargeting ways or anything like that to get them back or make them better offers? Or So how, how did you deal with the, all those big competitors like Hootsuite or others? Um, because um, 
your company was not the biggest in the market. So it was maybe like a David versus Goliath game. How did you deal with that? Was there any specific marketing strategies to acquire new customer or, or on the other hand, um, maybe you lost some customers to other competitors. Was there any retargeting strategies to get them back or, uh, or was that then, um, one of the starting points for the, for the, uh, content marketing to do that, um, my company versus this company, uh, articles. Yeah. Um, so we were definitely the underdog in the early days. Um, Hootsuite had big, um, you know, market share from being a freemium product and just well-known and well-funded, much bigger team. Uh, and then there were some other tools, uh, that pretty early got, um, uh, acquired by like Salesforce and Google. And so they kind of had some, some additional, um, backing there. And so we were definitely, definitely an underdog, but you know, as we, as things, uh, so early on, I would say like, we were trying to do a little bit of, of competitive stuff, but really just kind of focusing on, on our product, uh, less of like, uh, trying to compare because people were just further along with product and, and, uh, bigger. And then as we got, um, further along, I would say the market sort of shifted into like, there's free tools. There was like, so the, the point solutions, like you could get buffer just to like schedule tweets or something. Uh, and then there was like, all in one type of platforms, which is what Sprout was. So we sort of like started to have a little bit of a definition there. And uh, I would say more often than anything, it was sort of competing against like free. So people were just like not necessarily ready. And there was, that's fine. We were just sort of had to, to deal with that. Um, but um, over time, I would say like we, if we did lose people to other platforms or, or people, we lost people to just going back to free, um, we didn't necessarily retarget, but we definitely would, um, when we had decent product developments, like we would sort of hold like not every feature, but like we kind of hold until we had something a little bit bigger and then kind of bundle some of the other updates we've made. And then we go back to people that had, um, tried us in the past, but didn't purchase as well as people that were past customers and saying like, Hey, we now have this, uh, feature or whatever it is, plus, you know, all these other things. And. Um, I know there was, there was some, some different ones that had like some, some decent wins, uh, because it was, you're, you're reaching out to people that were like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted in this. And it wasn't there and they loved everything else. So then they were back in. Um, so I would say that was big. And then over time, you know, as like enterprise started to evolve and, uh, you kind of moving up market, I would say there was, um, the enterprise is probably the only one where they're really looking at like who's using competitors. How do we sort of like get them to come over to us? Uh, and everything else was pretty, pretty much just doing our thing, going after who we knew would be a good customer and, uh, and, and attracting the right people. Cause there was still, I mean, probably even today, there's still so much open space in the market of people that just aren't even using a, a social media platform that could be so. Um, wasn't like super grinded out, you know, sharp elbows fighting with competitors all the time, but, um, definitely as the company matured, there was a little bit more focus on how do we get people to come over from competition to, to our company. Okay. Um, do you have any experience with that 
with that content marketing articles because you are uh, an SEO pro and a content pro. And I could imagine if you do those articles and those videos like um, Hootsuite versus Buffer, Hootsuite versus um, Sprout Social, stuff like that. Um, people are looking for Hootsuite, but then they're uh, seeing the alternative, uh, alternative and um, realizing, hey, maybe this uh, platform is better for me or something like that. Um, have you experienced there any increase um, for for traffic uh, at first and then also in conversions um, from those specific articles? Yeah. Um, so uh, we actually did not do much of that with Sprout. Um, and in the early days, it was, again, sort of like we wouldn't do a versus page because like you either have to like stretch the truth on those pages to make yourself look really good. And then when people get in, they realize that's not really the case. And so that's not a good experience. Um, or you just genuinely have to have like really solid leg up uh, in your product um, to be able to say like, we do all these things and they don't. So um, being a little more of the underdog in the early days, like that just wasn't a good plan for us. And then um I would say just for sort of a, a myriad of reasons, like it just wasn't something that uh, sort of fit our marketing profile. Um, so at Sprout, we did not do that, but I've I've definitely done that with um, some of the other companies I've consulted with, or they already had them in place. Uh, and I, yeah, they're they're extremely effective. Um, you know, really, because uh, it's so, so bottom of funnel, people are just clearly already aware they're already in the market and they're like at a point of trying to decide or understand the differences between two tools um, or, or multiple tools. And so uh, being able to do that and, and lay it out is, is super effective. You mentioned you were the 18th uh, uh, employee on that company, I think. Mm -hmm. um, was that company taking profits from day one or did it take I don't know, two years, three years um, until there there were a green number or or how how was it at at this company? Yeah. Um so it was definitely not um <clears throat> profitable when I joined. Um and we had uh they'd already raised the series A round of, of funding and then we closed the series B like shortly after I joined. Um and then went on to subsequent rounds. So I would say like, um, it was definitely, um, definitely one of those things where like the goal was to, to scale, to be a, a large company. And so I think, you know, th throughout my time there, probably at any given time, it was like, we could have been profitable if we just, you know, pulled back on, um, all the spend to, that was fueling the growth. Um, but the unit economics, worked so well in terms of, you know, putting a dollar in, getting, you know, X number of dollars out, um, that it just made sense to keep, keep taking, instead of trying to be profitable, keep fueling that into the growth. So, um, and like Sprout is public now. And so you can see, um, that's still the case. Like the, the earnings are, are not profitable, but even just in the most recent quarters, you can see that they've, uh, kind of been moving up towards more towards that profitability line. So. Um, it was not profitable, but I never in like a, a an unhealthy or, or dangerous way. 
Okay, but but it's still not profitable. Uh, no, now if you have you looked now at the the earnings reports, it's um, it's getting close. But I think there's still, like I said, there's still so much growth in that market um, that I think it's probably still it's probably waning a little bit. But like I think it's still probably the case that continue to, to put money into acquiring new because it's it is uh, helping grow the business long term. Yeah, yeah, got that. Um, so. Then you move to your own company to 10Speed.io, where you are consulting and helping um, other companies. So, are you specialized in SaaS companies, or you are also doing e-commerce consulting or stuff like that? Yeah. So we, um, when I was uh, consulting when I left Sprout, I was definitely working just with with B two B SaaS companies. But um, with with 10Speed, um, it's like a, a content optimization agency. Uh, so we're doing. Um, strategy as well as content creation uh, for new and existing content. Um, and we, I would say, work pretty heavily with SaaS companies, uh, B2B companies right now, um, but definitely have a good mix of like e-commerce and, and direct-to-consumer as well. Um, so that's, uh, um, that's probably the, the two main areas that we focus Okay, what are the main reasons why your SaaS company is contacting you and um, telling you, hey, Nate, please help us because we need help, dot, dot, dot? Yes. Um, I would say the, um, the number one reason is um, there are a lot of companies that are you know, maybe between like a million and 10 million in revenue, and they have a small marketing team, you know, maybe a head of marketing, a content marketer and, and one other role. Um, and the content marketers typically required to do all kinds of stuff from, um, uh, like blog content, you know, eBooks, sales collateral, like any, um, all kinds of, of content. So, um, we're able to typically layer in and, and sort of be that, that deep, SEO expertise and strategic uh, partner for that person. So they spend less time researching uh, topics. They spend less time planning out content uh, and, and understanding how to make it um, structured and, and written in a way to, that ranks. Um, and so we, we really support that. The other main area would be companies that are sort of stalled out with organic traffic or even like declining, they're losing traffic. Um, and that's where we're, we're able to kind of dig in and understand where they're losing it from and why or why it's flat. Uh, and then kind of a mixture of optimizing or combining existing content um, as well as creating new to kind of help begin to, to scale that up again. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you think about the SEO stuff? So there are some people out there for their companies. They didn't know how to do SEO and then they went to uh, a marketplace and hired someone for, I don't know, 50, 100, 200 bucks um, to place some backlinks. And then they got thousands of backlinks or were buying that on eBay. And maybe then they realized, oh, that was maybe not the best decision to hire this guy. Um, I know there is a way to remove those backlinks or tell Google, hey, this backlink is not, uh, I, I don't want it to have that. I'm not sure why this backlink is leading to my website. Um, 
what do you think about that or uh, also broken links? Is that uh, is, a, is there a, a huge impact to your website if you put in the work to remove those backlinks, um, which are not good, obviously, or just let them be there and yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, I would say, you know, certainly with, with a lot of things sort of depends on, you know, case by case basis, but um, there's, there's definitely a lot of opportunity um, when there's a you know, pretty rich backlink profile. If, if there are um, some pockets of that that are uh, less desirable links, certainly yeah, using the disavow tool um, to, uh, to indicate to Google that you don't want those, those recognized uh, is certainly a way. I mean, if sometimes if you have the ability to kind of go back and, and get those removed, but certainly, you know, something that's like, thousands of links, you're not going to want to do that. Um, but I would say, yeah, like in a lot of cases, if it's, if it's bad enough, um, there can be some definitely some positive impact to that. Um, so I would say it, it probably just becomes a, a question of, you know, how much effort has to go into to doing that. And then, uh, you know, what what you think some of the upside is. So um, but yes, like generally, I would say it's, it's definitely a, a good thing to be able to be uh, looking at the quality of, of the backlinks and understanding what that profile looks like. And then if there are some, some areas that are concerning, being able to, to fix them. Okay. Um, I was talking here in the podcast with Neil Patel and, um, uh, one of his advice was, uh, for people who want to get backlinks, for example, they should contact, um, the, the host of the website and ask them if it's, it's possible to put the, the backlink to your website, to your store or anything like that. Um, and that's basically an advice that a lot of people are giving out there. Um, but the truth is in my case that mostly if it's a good backlink, uh, if it's a backlink with worth, you gotta pay for it. Would you agree with that or is it that easy or are there enough opportunities out there to get free backlinks by contacting the the blogger or the host of the website? Um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of similarities between link building and outbound sales. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I agree with Neil, like that is, I think still the, the preferred way, you know, to really just be doing true outreach. Um, but it, it like, like outbound sales, it's a numbers game. Like you, you certainly can't sit down and, and send off five emails, um, and then, and then kind of wait for the results. I think it's, uh, needing to have a, a process and even more so a system, um, to be able to be identifying the right sites and doing outreach to them at scale, uh, to build those links. Um, but I would say that's like one facet of, of link building. There's um, certainly other things that people are doing to to promote their business uh, and um, and generate uh, sorry I mean, press and brand awareness that generates links. Uh, and then I think the the other big area that is not easy for like a, a super small or, or brand new company, but um, as a company builds an audience and, and builds a brand, then like creating truly high quality content or experiences uh on their their website is probably the most natural way to to generate uh, you know substantial amount of links so in in some of those cases it becomes a question of you know do we spend 100 hours 
reaching out to websites, uh, asking them to link to us, or do we spend 100 hours creating one extremely in-depth report on our industry or, uh, you know, amazing video series or whatever it might be that would um, cause people to link to you uh, in in numbers that you couldn't even possibly accomplish with, with outreach. So um, I would say that's kind of kind of my thoughts is like, you can do the outreach, looking at it as needing to be able to do it at scale, like outbound, there's sort of the brand building PR type of stuff. And then, uh, you know, really investing in, in quality content experiences. Okay, um, basically agree with you, but and maybe you could give us an advice and or maybe a, a little detailed step-by-step -step guide on, on this following question. There are millions and millions of people out there who are creating great content, who are having a great uh, e-commerce store, awesome products, stuff like that. So let's let's follow your example and someone is creating an awesome content website so an awesome content page um, about a specific topic and this guy has this awesome article way better than the competitors with the competitor overview and all that kind of stuff with a video in it some some pictures an infographic um, all that kind of stuff what would you recommend to this guy, let's let's give him a little money. Let's say um, he has, uh, if it's needed, that's up to you, um, 1,000 euros or dollars or anything like that um, to promote this one specific blog article or content page. What would you recommend to him? Um, yeah, so I mean, it's a great it's a great point, and that's why I was saying like if you're a newer site, and it's certainly harder. Um, and so I think that's where like, um, it's not necessarily like a scientific <laughs> type thing, but I guess kind of my rule of thumb is like, um, in terms of like what we're talking about with manual link building, the, let's say there's a website that has a hundred backlinks to the whole domain. And then there's one that has like a hundred thousand putting in the time to manual outreach to build another 20 links for the small site is a 20% increase for the other is whatever that is 0.02% or 0.002%. Um, like the, the impact is, is so much more on that time spent. And so, um, and similarly, if you already have a hundred thousand backlinks, you probably have a much bigger brand. You can put out a piece of content that's going to have a bigger audience. Um, so in the case of being smaller, being earlier, uh, you put together the amazing piece of content and you have, thousand dollars thousand euros um that would be um i mean if you just put like like a facebook ad on it um i think you'll probably burn through that budget pretty quickly um and you're not really catching people at the right time so i would probably use it as um most likely like outreach like money to sort of fuel uh the, the outreach to people. And in this case, you're not just reaching out to someone and saying, hey, will you link, link to my website? You're doing outreach and saying, look at this amazing piece of content I created uh, and finding ways for people to to link to your content there. Um, so I would say that is probably the, the number one place I would use that. And then second would just be if I could use that part of that budget to um, connect with some some people or maybe like 
say, hey, let's do a webinar together and I'll put, you know, $300 worth of ads to promote the webinar. And then on the webinar, you talk about the content that you created um, to help kind of generate awareness for that, that piece of content you created, something like that. Um, but yeah, in, in that case, I think there's, there's definitely a need to do more um, because you aren't just going to, you know, have a, a domain authority of 15 or 20 on a, on a newer site and create an amazing piece of content. And then just, it doesn't just take off automatically. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's a great question. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the budget could also be used for retargeting ads. So for people who were visiting already your website, um, but not this specific article, maybe you can retarget them. Um, so what would you advise to people and maybe a general advice by the end of this episode um, who are uh, not that big so let's uh, let's say maybe uh, in the in the five to six figure range a month um to to have an eye on 2021 is it um to put in a lot of work in seo because this is a long-term game and seo will bring you free customers um over time or is it to put on a specific marketing channel um put some some PPC marketing in that and check it out? Or what is your advice for um, small to mid-sized business in 2021? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so when you said five, six figure, you meant their revenue or the budget? Uh, the revenue. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say, um, I mean, like the number one thing, like I think early stage companies, smaller it's very normal to have a, a heavier weighting towards paid because um, you need to just be getting in front of people that are interested in getting getting that going and building that up. Same, th same thing we talked about with Sprout at the beginning, like PPC was the biggest channel initially. Um, I would say uh, 2021, <clears throat> um, my advice would be to start thinking about uh, what what is the right path to start to decrease your dependence on um, the sort of that machine of putting money into to ads and getting customers back out um, and being able to diversify into things that are going to build your own audience. Um, so whether that's starting to build content or doing other things, building up your newsletter, you know, subscribers, anything like that, um, because the more you are, uh, building your own audience that's not dependent on paying to be in front of them. Um, the more you can start to have that flywheel of if you're creating content, you're benefiting from, uh, you know, starting to benefit from organic search, but you also have great content to send to your newsletter subscribers, great stuff to share on social. Uh, and you can start to get a little more of that flywheel um, going. That's not, again, not dependent on paying for every, uh, click and, and every page view and, and whatnot. So um, that would be my thought is like really start to to figure out what, and, and you know, maybe content isn't the, the channel, but like what what is it that helps you build your own audience uh, that you don't have to pay for? Okay. So uh, basically in general, try to attract people and try to keep them 
maybe not in the first step as a customer, but maybe as a newsletter subscriber or something like that, that you can reach those guys uh, over and over again without paying any money for that. Um, so that's basically a great advice. If you guys want to learn more um, about SEO, content marketing, um, maybe you're struggling with your business, um, I could recommend to go to 10speed.io. 10speed.io and um, there you can get in touch with Nate and uh, yeah do a consultation call and maybe uh, you can also just uh, scale your company like um, he did with Sprout Social um, so awesome um, Nate thanks for being here today thanks for for sharing all the thoughts with us and uh, all the insights from Sprout Socials. And um, is there anything you would like to mention by the end of this episode to the guys? Um, yeah, I would say, you know, similar to what I was just sharing, like, um, I think there's there's value in, in building your own audience. And, um, and I would say, as you, you start to, if you are thinking content is a, is a channel you want to invest in, um, you know, I would say, starting it at a point where you feel like uh, you've reached uh, the conclusion that this is something I want to build long-term. Um, not that you can't see results and start to see progress early on because um, it's not necessarily the the adage of like SEO takes 12 plus months um, and you can start to see some progress, uh, you know, well before that. But either way, like this is something that uh, I typically advise earlier companies to get to a point where they know like, this is something I want to build long-term. We want our own content to be really good. We want to have organic search be a big part of our channel mix. Um, and, and this is like a commitment we're making as a company. Um, then I think that's, that's awesome because then companies like the, the lens in which they view content and SEO and, and how they make decisions and how they invest uh, is, is substantially different. And um, I think plays out really well in the long term. So that would be my advice is like kind of um, if, if you're in a point where you're feeling like, yeah, we could try it for a couple of months. I would just not uh, necessarily even start at that point. Um, just keep funneling into other stuff that's giving you more of that immediate ROI. And then when you get to the point where you really have that, a bigger picture view on it, then I think that's that's a great time to, to start investing. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for that word. Um, so guys, you definitely can improve the the content marketing and the seo stuff but it will take some time you need to be aware of that um, thanks nate thanks for being here today thanks for sharing all that uh, as i mentioned hopefully you guys like that episode and be with us in the next episode bye guys bye nathan <music>